Thank you, Pastor, for your kind words. And I just want all of you to know how much I love and appreciate Sean and Amy and their family. It's always an honor to be in their presence, and I enjoy the great fellowship we have when we're here. All right, do you have your Bibles with you? Would you open them to Second Chronicles, first of all, this morning? Second Chronicles, chapter 16. And while you're turning there, I want to repeat something that I said in the earlier service. And, and for those of you that weren't in the earlier service, and I know most of you weren't, uh, we talked about loyalty and faithfulness. And I'm going to continue on that theme, but I'm going to uh, add to what I didn't get to cover in that first service. So for you to have all of it, you need to get a copy of the first service because I'm not going to repeat all that, okay? So, uh, but anyway, I will repeat the scripture that we started it with. And just before we read it, I want to say this. In September of last year, while flying to Australia with Brother Copeland uh, to do a convention there on the Gold Coast, uh, I was just sitting in the airplane there, and Brother Copeland got up to go back and take a nap as we still had about eight hours to go on that flight. And I was sitting in the chair there and got ready to read something out of a book that I had taken with me. But as I opened the book, and I didn't get to start reading yet, uh, the Spirit of the Lord came on me. And he said this. Now, I wasn't even thinking about 2020. Didn't have 2020 on my mind at all. But the Spirit of God said, in 2020, I will cause my faithful ones to experience supernatural increase beyond anything they've ever experienced before. And I knew that was the word of the Lord because every year I receive a prophetic word that I'm to focus on and preach everywhere I go. And uh, But I usually receive that during the month of October because that's when I set some specific time aside to receive that word. But here it is, September, and I didn't have, once again, 2020 on my mind. But the Lord said, in 2020, I will cause my faithful ones to experience supernatural increase beyond anything they've ever ex experienced before. So I knew that was what I was to focus on going into 2020. Now, I preached it in our church back home. Uh, for three weeks in a row, and then everywhere I went after that, up until March the 15th, I preached it and uh, had the intended to preach it all over the world this year. I have done so by our television broadcast, but the travel ended in March. And so uh, I thought it was quite interesting that God would say, now, none of us knew what was going to happen this year. I certainly didn't know we were going to be in a pandemic. I didn't know anything about coronavirus, but I'm quite sure God knew. You know, you don't get to be called God if you don't know things like this, okay? He knew, but yet him knowing what was coming and him making a statement like, I will cause my faithful ones to experience supernatural increase beyond anything they'd ever experienced before, we didn't know that 
multitudes of people. I'm talking about thousands and thousands of people right here in America alone. We're going to lose their jobs. We're going to wind up uh, living on money they had put away for savings. You know, uh, trust funds closing down. We didn't know that things like this were going to take place. We didn't know that people would be living on a stimulus package, you know, from the government. And God's talking about supernatural increase beyond anything we'd ever experienced before. Now, how in the world could God make something like that happen? Well, he's God. Amen. And I'll say it again. You don't get to be called God if you're not capable of doing things like that. And he is God. Amen. He's the faithful God. Amen. And so supernatural increase coming to you and to me because I consider myself faithful and I'm assuming you're faithful. God making that happen is no sweat off his brow. Amen. He's not wringing his hands, staying up all night trying to figure out how am I going to do this now. He's God and he's quite capable of doing it. Now, when he said that, I thought back over all the times in 51 years of ministry that I've experienced supernatural increase. And I have testimony after testimony of supernatural increase. Uh, some of which, the stories, if I told you today, I like to say it this way. It'd make the hair stand up on the back of your neck and take at least a week to get it to lay down again. I mean, God has been good to Jerry Savelle. He has been faithful. He's been loyal. Amen. And, uh, uh, but he said, beyond anything I've ever experienced before, I almost decided I don't want to sleep at night because I don't want to miss anything, you know. But he has already begun that. He began doing that almost from the first time I started preaching about it. We've experienced supernatural increase all through this pandemic. Amen. We have offices all over the world. We have staff all over the world. We have not had to lay one person off. We have not had to cut back in any of their salaries. In fact, we gave them all increases. And, and God has been faithful. God has shown us that supernatural increase is not a problem for him. But notice the prerequisite, you might say. I will cause my faithful ones. So that doesn't include every Christian. It should. It should. But not every Christian is faithful. Okay, I lost my crowd. <laughs> not every Christian is faithful. Some are faithful for a season. Amen. But when we talk about faithful, we're talking about a lifetime. You know, I don't know if you've thought of this, but most of the promises of God to his people, they are directed to faithful people. Amen. Faithful people. Not people that are just looking for something, you know, uh, to get a need met, and they do it, and God honors it, and then they go back to living the way they did before the miracle came. No, that's, that's not what the promises are for. It's not some kind of 
good luck charm. It's not some kind of, you know, thing you get in the mail like you would the publisher's clearinghouse thing, you know, and if they come and show up at your house, you win. No, that's not what Scripture's for. That's not what the promises are for. They are directed, by and large, to faithful people. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. <laughs> faithful people. Hallelujah. Now, with that in mind, let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now, I'm going to repeat what I said in the earlier service. The word perfect here does not mean never having made a mistake. Because if it did, then none of us would qualify. I've made mistakes, haven't you? Uh, it doesn't mean perfect, doesn't mean never having committed a sin. I've committed sin. You've committed sin. Somebody might say, well, what did you do? Well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I told God and I was forgiven. I didn't ask you what you did. Huh? No, but most of sin that I've committed was B.C., before Christ came, okay, into my life. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I like to say, if the Apostle Paul, under his own testimony, was the chiefest sinner of them all, Jesse DePlantis was number two. <laughs> With some of the stories Jesse tells me, he said he was a bad man. And his mother called him a little heathen from hell, you know. And so, uh, but, you know, that was B.C., before Christ. Thank God, before Christ. You know, I, uh, I got to tell you this story. When I was in my second year of college, I, was, I grew up in North Louisiana. Jesse grew up in South Louisiana. And it's like two different countries. You know, North Louisiana, South Louisiana, if you've ever been to both of them, they're not anything alike. Cajuns are down in South Louisiana. And I always loved South Louisiana. And I loved the Cajun culture. So I went to college in South Louisiana. Now, I'm older than Jesse. When I was in my second year of college, he was a senior in high school. And so back in those days, I was not serving the Lord. And I, I lived in an apartment off campus with three other guys. And our apartment had become a casino. Uh, one of my roommates, his dad was an extremely wealthy man. And uh, we never had to go to 7-Eleven and buy what we drank. His dad had a truck deliver it to our apartment. You know. And, and it just showed up every week, once a week. A big truck showed up with whatever they wanted to drink. Now, I, did, I didn't drink growing up. My parents didn't drink, and, but I got with the wrong crowd, and after a while, you know, uh, I fell into that. So I started drinking, and we gambled. We gambled day and night. In South Louisiana, they have a card game called Boo-Rang, and you can win a ton in one hand, or you can lose everything you have in one hand. And I got to be an ex excellent 
Bure player. And if we had time, we went to class. And uh, <laughs> if we were sober, we went to class, you know. And uh, so that's the way I was living uh, B.C. before Christ. And we went to this place, a nightclub, every Friday night called the Fountain Blue Lounge. And we played Bure. There was a special room where you gambled. Then there was a dance floor out in the middle, and they had a live band there. Now, I'm being here in the room gambling, and I could hear the live band, and I could see the guys that were in the band. And I asked Jesse one time, because he had a rock and roll band. He's singing a rock and roll group when he was in high school. I asked Jesse one time, I said, did you ever play the Fountain Blue Lounge? He said, almost every weekend. I said, Jesse, you and I were in the same building at the same time, never met each other, and I could just see God looking down, smiling, and say, if those two boys only knew what I had in mind for them. <laughs> you know? Amen. Uh, just an interesting story I thought you would be interested in, okay? But that was B.C., before Christ, okay? I came to the Lord in 1969 after hearing Kenneth Copeland preach uh, the, the most awesome sermon I'd ever heard in my life. And I surrendered my life to the Lord then and uh, began preparing for full-time ministry and have been preaching now around the world for 51 years. But notice here, it says... God's eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth, and he's looking for somebody. First time I read that back in 1969, when I finally understood what it meant, because when I saw the word perfect, I thought, oh, well, I don't qualify. He's looking for perfect people. But later, when I found out what the word perfect means in the little Hebrew, I thought, I do qualify. The word perfect in the literal Hebrew doesn't mean never having made a mistake, never having sinned. It means loyal, faithful, trustworthy, dependable. God is always looking. His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth, always looking for someone that is loyal, faithful, trustworthy, and dependable. Now, I can be that person, and you can be that person. In fact, I stood up that day when I, when I discovered what that meant, and I lifted both hands, and I said, Lord, if you're looking for somebody who will be faithful, loyal, trustworthy, and dependable, search no more, I'll be your man. Amen. And I made a decision that day that I would be faithful to God for the rest of my life. I'd be faithful to the calling of God on my life for the rest of my life. Amen. And so I qualify. And if you've been faithful to God, you qualify. Can you say amen? If you haven't been faithful, start now. <laughs> amen. And qualify. So once again, the promises by and large are directed to faithful people. Amen. Faithful people. Now let's look at one such promise and go to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. <clears throat> and look in verse 12. Now, once again, he's talking to, to, to faithful people, covenant people. 
Verse 12, the Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. You are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Now, do you think he's talking to someone that hasn't been faithful? He's just going to increase them and keep on increasing them more and more? No, that person doesn't qualify. He's talking about faithful people. Notice he said the house of Aaron, the house of Israel. He's talking about covenant people, people that he has entered into covenant with, and they're loyal and faithful to him. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, which is commonly referred to in that chapter as the blessings of Abraham, it starts out with, if you observe and do all these commandments that I command thee this day, then the Lord thy God will do thus and so. Now, he's talking about people who make this their lifestyle. It's something they do every day. Amen? Every day. I don't, I don't study the Bible only when it's time to preach. I don't study the Bible only when I'm trying to find a sermon to preach. I study the Bible every day, day and night, every day. And I have been doing so for 51 years. Now, you would think in 51 years, you couldn't learn anymore. But every time I open it, I see something I've never seen before. The Word of God is inexhaustible. Amen. Revelation knowledge is inexhaustible. Amen. I, I remember one time, uh, you know, Kenneth Hagin was famous for preaching from Mark 11, 23 and 24. Nearly every sermon he preached, somewhere in there, if he didn't start with it, somewhere in the sermon, Mark 11, 23 and 24 was mentioned. And one day, and I'd listened to all those sermons. In fact, I preached to Brother Hagin many times. And, and uh, I said often, if Brother Hagin stops right now and says, Brother Jerry, take over. I knew where he was going. I knew where he was headed. I could tell the stories because I'd listened to him so much. I never got tired of hearing him, and I'm still that way. I carry my iPad around with Kenneth Hagin sermons that I still listen to to this day, Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, Kenneth Copeland, my, all my mentors. I still listen to them. And just the other day, Brother Copeland and I were talking about something that we both were listening to that Kenneth Hagin said, and we were both in the meeting when he said it, and neither one of us heard it. And we said, I was sitting in that meeting. I didn't hear him say that. And it was a great revelation. Amen. So what I'm saying is you, you can never exhaust the word of God. There's always great insight, no matter how many times you read it, no matter how many times you study it. And one day I was, uh, I was flying to Kenya. I had my Bible open because it's a long flight, 20 hours over to Kenya. And so I had my Bible up and my notebook, you know, and I'm reading Mark, the 11th chapter, 23 and 24. I mean, I can quote it word for word. I can think of all the sermons I heard Kenneth Hagin preach on it, Kenneth Copeland preach on it, Oral Roberts preach, all the sermons I've preached on it. And I saw something I'd never seen before. 
Remember Jesus said, and whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And suddenly I heard this come out of my spirit. I heard the Holy Spirit say, if you don't talk to your mountains, they'll talk to you. I never heard Kenneth Hagin say that. I never heard Oral Roberts say that. I never heard Kenneth Copeland say that. I never heard T.L. Osborne say that. It was right hot off the press. If you don't talk to your mountains, they'll talk to you. Amen? Now, mountains, you know, can be used as a metaphor, so to speak. How many of you, I think it's interesting that we even have phrases my debts are mounting up. Well, that's your mountain. <laughs> and how many of you know, if you don't talk to your debts, they will talk to you. <laughs> Amen. If you don't talk to that mountain of sickness and disease, it'll talk to you. If you don't talk to that mountain of strife in your home, it'll talk to you. Thank you for your enthusiasm of this great revelation. Amen. <laughs> so notice here, uh, Faithfulness is not measured in something you do for a few hours, a few days, or even a few months. Faithfulness is measured over a long period of time. You know, I said in the earlier service, I've had people ask me uh, in our church years ago, Brother Jerry, I've been coming to this church now for three weeks in a row. Am I faithful? No, not yet. Three weeks? Anybody can do something for three weeks. Well, almost anybody. You know, I, I remember, and I probably said this to you before, but it's my sermon. I want to repeat it. And so I remember years ago, I, I met a former Mr. Universe. His name was Dennis Tenorino. And I became a mentor to him. So he traveled with me all over the country. And, and he wound up in full-time ministry and wound up traveling all over the world. And he was just a, a lovely man. I mean, uh, he loved God. And, he, and if, and if wit, Dennis didn't witness to you, you must have been dead. And he'd raise you from the dead and then witness to you. I mean, he was a soul winner, you know. And so... You know, I mean, it's not every day you get to be a mentor to someone like a Mr. Universe. And so Dennis was traveling with me, and, and uh, he said, Jerry, uh, I've noticed that a lot of your colleagues and a lot of your preacher friends, they're extremely overweight and they're out of shape. He said, uh, we don't need for you guys to die early. You need to get in better shape and learn to eat right. And he said, I'm going to design a program for traveling preachers. And you can share it with all of your traveling preacher friends. And, and I'll start training you. He said, so I'm going to come and, and spend at least three or four weeks with you. And make sure you've got the program down. And then you can share it with other preacher friends friends that you have because we need you guys to be around for the long haul. I thought, wow, it's not every day Mr. Universe becomes your personal trainer. 
You know? I mean, he competed against Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lou Ferrigno. I mean, he knew all the big ones. In fact, he introduced me to all those guys. And uh, <laughs> I thought, wow, Mr. Universe wants to be my personal trainer. So he called and said when he was coming. Now, this is back in the days when you could go out to the airport, go to the gate and meet them, you know, and uh, uh, not under the restrictions there is today. So I could hardly wait for Mr. Universe to arrive. In fact, the day before he got there, I went to our local sports store, you know, like Academy or something. I bought all the latest Nike attire. I moved my cars out of my garage and bought all the latest equipment and turned it into World Gym. Man, I am ready. I was excited. I was enthusiastic. I'm with the program, you know. And so I went out to the airport to pick up Dennis. And when he walked off that American Airlines jet, I'm standing there as they come out. And three or four people came out first, and then Dennis steps out. Now, the guy's just like this, 21 and a half inch biceps, bigger than my thighs. And he comes out in this bright red T-shirt and on the front of it in white letters, Super Bodies by Tenorino. And everybody in the airport stopped and looked at this man. You couldn't help it. He was bigger than Dallas, you know. And, and, he, and he, he looks like he's chiseled out of stone. He starts here and goes up like this. And, of course, originally Dennis was from New York. But he lived in California for a long time, and he never lost his New York accent. He talked like Rocky Balboa. And he said, yo, Jerry, are you ready? I said, I'm ready, Dennis. He said, I brought you something. I said, what? And he had another T-shirt, and he threw it to me. He said, and I held it up, and it was just like his. Super Bodies by Tenorino. He said, put it on and call things that be not as though they were. So I put my super body t-shirt on and they all gawked at Dennis and laughed at me as we're walking out. I looked like I had on a miniskirt, you know, and, and here we go. And all the way home, Dennis is telling me what we're going to do. We're going to start in the morning with stretching exercises and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do that. And I said, Dennis, what are we going to eat? He said, I brought some wheat germ. I brought this and that. I said, no, really, what are we going to eat, Dennis? He said, this is what we're going to eat. I said, for three weeks? You got to be kidding. Now, I want to look like Dennis, but I don't want to have to do what he did to get there. <laughs> okay? Everybody wants to be blessed. Everybody wants to experience supernatural increase. Everybody wants to flourish in the things of God. But not everybody wants to do what it took for the people who were there to get there. This really isn't a good sermon. You should be responding better. Amen. No, I, yeah, in fact, Dennis even brought photos of when he was competing for Mr. Universe. I still have him in my gym today. I, I now have a gym. I took it out of the garage and, and Carolyn built me a gym. And I have pictures of Dennis competing against Arnold Schwarzenegger and all those guys. And he's, he's standing there, you know, posing you know, and 
it's amazing. I mean, just ripples. And I have it in my gym. Now, we worked out for three weeks, and it was grueling. The first morning I woke up, I set my alarm. He said, we're going to start at 6 o'clock. I set my alarm for 5.30, had all my latest Nike stuff laying in the chair here. I got up, beat the alarm up. I got everything on, and I walked out into my den, and Mr. Universe was lacing up his tennis shoes, and he smiled at me, and I should have, knew, I should have known by the looks on his face, this is not going to be easy. And so he went through the stretching exercise, and then we worked out that day, and then we ate wheat germ and, you know, other dumb stuff that tastes like cardboard. But anyway, uh, then the next morning, I got my alarm set. I never heard the alarm go off. And my wife said, Jerry, turn the alarm off. And I didn't even hear her. I just barely caught the end of it. She took her foot and put it in my back and kicked me out of bed and said, turn the alarm off. Well, I tried to get up, and I couldn't get up. My Nike stuff is laying over there, and I can't get it on. Everything on me hurt. My hair hurt. My ears hurt. Everything hurt. I said, Carolyn, pray. I'm paralyzed. She said, what's the matter with you? I said, everything hurts. And she had to help me put my Nike stuff on. I walked outside like this, and Dennis says, no pain, no gain. I said, I must be gaining because I'm in some serious painting here. He said, we'll get rid of that. We'll work that out. Oh, it was, it was amazing what he put me through. And then he said, okay, I think you got it down now. I'm going home. I thought, hallelujah, glory to God. <laughs> and so I took him out to the airport, DFW. I went inside with him. I went to the gate with him. I hugged him goodbye. I watched him walk down the jetway, and I saw the plane back up. I, I watched it go down to the end of the runway. I watched it take off. I wanted to make sure he left. <laughs> and as soon as that plane took off, I got in my car, and I stopped at my favorite Mexican restaurant that's not too far from the airport. And when I walked in, they said, hey, Brother Jerry. I said, don't even bring me a menu. Everything on page one. Everything on page one. And I kept looking back at the door to make sure Dennis hadn't got off the plane and was looking at me. Now, have you noticed today that I don't look like Mr. Universe? Now, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape, but don't any, not anything like him. Why? I was faithful for three weeks. And the reason I was faithful, he made me be faithful. Huh? The coach was standing over me. Huh? Faithfulness. It's not measured in three weeks. It's not measured in three months. We're talking about a lifetime. Amen? I've been living this way now by faith, the life of faith, for 51 years. 
And turning back is not an option. Giving up and living some other way is not even a consideration. Now, if I'd been that way about the workout program Dennis created for me, then I'd certainly be looking different today than I am. Now, my oldest grandson, he said, Papa, I've heard you talk about that program. Let me have that program. Oh, he looks like this. I said, you're not my grandson no more. <laughs> no, he was faithful to it. Man, he, he looks like this, you know. In fact, he was training for MMA. And my wife prayed him out of that, you know, but that's what he was training for. He wanted to be an MMA fighter. And Carolyn said, no, you're not going to do that. I'm praying that out of you. And so you notice he's not on television in MMA. But he's, boy, he got the part. He looks like this. Looks like he's chiseled out of stone. I mean, you remember Evander Holyfield, heavyweight champion. Evander was flying with me. I, I followed Evander's career ever since he was an amateur. I went to see Evander try out for the Olympics. I went to the Olympics to watch Evander. And then once he turned pro, I went to a lot of his fights. And uh, he, he was a member of Creflo Dollar's church. So every time I'd be in Atlanta preaching for Creflo, if Evander was not in training, he would come over and we'd spend the morning together. And uh, I remember Evander went on a meeting with me. We went and picked him up in our plane in Atlanta and flew him back to Tulsa to ORU. And I've got a picture in my gym of me and Evander Holyfield standing in front of my airplane. And he's got his arm around me in one picture. I've got my arm around him in another picture. And when I patted his shoulder up here, I thought, this is not fair. He's got muscles on his muscles. Evander was like this, you know? I mean, it feels like you're, it feels like you're touching rock. That's not fair. I said, that's not fair. I want to be like that. I want to look like that. But you don't get that way by eating Mexican food every day, you know? You don't get that way by going to the gym once a month. Amen? That's the reason there's so many gyms that open and they're so successful because they know most of the people that buy a membership are not going to last for two weeks. But they got the money. They collect it up front. They don't collect it by the number of times you show up. They collect it up front because they know most people are not going to remain faithful. Amen. Maybe we should collect your tithes when you come up to the parking lot. We just have somebody go by the cars and, and, and roll your window down and drop it in there. And then you can go if you want to. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> People want to be blessed. People want to increase. People want to flourish. But most people are not willing to do what will produce it. And according to the Bible, the faithful shall flourish. The faithful shall flourish. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's not too late for you to start.
Praise God. Amen. And I know most of you in here are faithful or you wouldn't be here today. Now, once again, perfect means loyal, trustworthy, faithful, dependable. The New King James says it this way, that God will show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The message translation says, God is always on the alert, constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to him. He's always on the lookout for people that are totally committed to him. Can you say amen? How many of you are totally committed to God? Well, I trust you are, praise God. And if, and if you are, then you've got these promises to look forward to. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be 74 in a few months. And my wife thinks I'm a little bit nuts because I always look forward to looking old, uh, getting older. And when I, when I turn 74 in just a couple of months, I will always be, I'll already start talking about how good it's going to be when I get to be 75. She said, you just turned 74. You're already talking about how good it's going to be when you get to be 75. You're a nut. I said, yeah, but the reason I look forward to getting older because the Bible promises that they will still flourish even in old age. I, I don't, I don't, diminish in blessings, I experience more blessings. Amen, because I intend to be faithful when I'm 75, and the Lord willing, I'll be faithful when I'm 85. Brother Copeland says he's going to live to be 120. Well, he's 10 years older than me, exactly 10 years older than me, and he's now saying, and Jerry's going to live to be 110, because when I leave, there's no need in him staying around. He'll just go out with me, praise God. Amen. So he'll be 120, I'll be 110. You know, should that come to pass. But at 110, whoo, I can hardly wait. How blessed will I be? How much will I be flourishing? Because they will flourish in old age. Now, most people who get older, they, they, they start thinking in terms of cutting back, you know, slowing down, you know, you know, uh, Amy said at the beginning about the stroke I had a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, I didn't I certainly didn't plan on that, didn't have a clue it's going to happen. They discovered I went to take a physical, and they discovered that in this main artery in your neck where the blood flows from the heart to the brain, that it was uh, blocked. There was a plaque buildup in that artery. And they said, you know, you need to have this removed. It's a routine surgery. They said it was over 75% blocked in that artery. And so they said, you'll go in, we'll make an incision, we'll remove the plaque, sew you up, and you'll probably be in the hospital overnight and be released the next day. So we went in and they did the surgery. And uh, my wife and my daughters were with me. And I didn't know, I had no clue that after the surgery, uh, some of the plaque broke off and went to my brain and caused a full-blown stroke. Well, I, 
was in the hospital, what, nearly three days before I, I even knew I'd had a stroke. And they were telling my wife, uh, he'll never be normal again. He'll never preach again. He'll never travel again. I didn't even know my family. When the doctor came in and pointed and asked, who is this? I didn't know who my wife was. I didn't know who my daughters were. My wife said, Brother Copeland came and stood over me and preached to me for an hour. And I hardly remember the man even being there. They would bring in coloring books with little children's coloring books with butterflies and birds and trees and leaves and point to him. What is this? I didn't have a clue. And the only word I could say in English was yes. If I could see their lips moving, I assumed they were talking to me. I assumed they were asking me questions. And I'd just say, yes. Whatever they asked me, yes. My son-in-law, Rodney, who came here with Terry, he, he knew that's the only word I could say was yes. And he tried to set me up. <laughs> he said, now, Dad... You, when I was in here yesterday, you told me you wanted to give me your 1967 Corvette. And I just want to know, can I come pick it up today? Because he knew the only word I could say was yes. And when he said that, suddenly I got healed. And I looked and said, no. And Rodney said, okay, he's getting better now. We can all go home. You know? <laughs> Amen. But I recovered. And within, what, three weeks, Joe and I were preaching all over the world, several continents, and I hadn't slowed down since, praise God. Amen. That's God. I said, that's God. Hallelujah. I qualified for that because I'm faithful. Amen. Now, I, and Joe and I, as I said, our mothers were sisters in our family. My mother died of a stroke. Her mother died of a stroke. A lot of our family members died of strokes. The curse was broken in me. Hallelujah. Satan tried to take me out with a stroke. Hallelujah. And God would not allow it. Hallelujah. And thank God for a faithful wife as well. That doctor kept telling Carolyn, he'll never be normal. He'll never preach again. You're going to have to you're going to take care of him for the rest of your life. He'll be an invalid. And my wife said, sir, you don't know our God and you don't know my husband. He will preach again. Thank God for a faithful woman. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let me wrap it up real quick because I know you want to go to lunch and so do I. In fact, let's all go right now. now just, a, just a, You got a couple of more minutes? All right, now listen to this. Throughout the Bible, you can see story after story of how God honors faithful sowers, faithful givers. See, there is no such thing as supernatural increase without first sowing. Amen? You can't, you can't increase in any area. You can't increase in cotton without sowing. You can't increase in apples without sowing. You can't increase financially without sowing. Amen? Sowing is a biblical principle. And all the promises that God makes about the kind of return that sowers will receive, he's talking about faithful sowers. 
Not somebody who tries it every once in a while. Faithful sowing. Amen. The windows of heaven open to faithful tithers. Let's try this side of the auditorium. Not somebody who tries it occasionally. We're talking about faithful tithers. We're talking about faithful sowers. And the Bible's full of stories where God honors faithfulness. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, and I'm reading this from the Passion Translation. Glorify God with all your wealth, honoring Him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Then, everybody say then. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings. Hallelujah. Every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings. And what's the prerequisite? Glorify God. Honor God with your substance. Faithfully honor God with your substance. So God is saying, you can, this used to be a good phrase, you can take it to the bank. I'm not too sure whether that's a good phrase anymore, but you can take it to the bank. A faithful Christian who faithfully sows will prosper beyond their wildest dreams. You can count on it. Now, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, the message translation says, let me quote the King James, you know it. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, if you go back to chapter 1, it becomes obvious who this is directed to. Faithful people. Because the Apostle Paul says, you have been with me from the beginning until now. And most theologians agree that by the time Paul wrote the letter to the Philippian Christians, his relationship with them was anywhere between a minimum of 10 years and possibly 20 years. And he says, you started out sowing into my life and ministry from the first time you were introduced to my ministry until right now. So we're talking about anywhere from 10 to 20 years. And he says to these people, which obviously were faithful sowers, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The message translation says, you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need, his generosity exceeding even yours. Hallelujah. God's generosity exceeds even ours. In other words, you can never outgive God. God blesses faithful people. Exceeding, the word exceeding implies far beyond what you can do. Far beyond what you can do yourself. Surpassing your ability. And God will exceed your generosity. So therefore, we can always give and sow faithfully, having confidence that God will bless us, God will provide for our every need, and God will cause good things to come to pass in our lives. Proverbs 28, 20, here's another example of it. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Abound implies to burst over with, to overflow with, and to run over with blessings. Amen. How'd you like to be running over with blessings? 
You know, in Deuteronomy, it says in chapter 28, and all these blessings will come on thee and overtake thee. Amen. Uh, I found out years ago that one of the Hebrew meanings for the, uh, or the meaning for the Hebrew word overtake is surprise. All these blessings will come on thee and surprise thee. In other words, God will cause things to happen in your life that you didn't ask for, you didn't expect. God just does it, and your response will be, wow, it's a surprise. And I love surprises. Anybody else love surprises? Amen. Uh, Richard Roberts and Lindsay Roberts and Carol and I were going to lunch one day about, I don't know, maybe four years ago. And we're just out having lunch, and we're on our way back home. And Carolyn was driving, and Lindsay sitting up front, and Richard and I were in the back. And suddenly, I got a text on my phone. And I just looked down and read it, and it said, Brother Jerry, I'm one of your partners. I've heard you talk about, before you came to the Lord, you used to race a 65 GTO, and you sold it uh, before you went into the ministry. And I've heard you talk about how much you enjoyed that car. I just wanted you to know, I've just completed the restoration of a 65 GTO, and I'd like to know if you would like to have it. I immediately text back and said, is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> and then I, I read the text to Carolyn and Richard and Lindsay, and, and I heard the Lord say, surprise. Oh, and it is a beautiful 65 GTO. It's one of the rarest 65 GTOs. It's the Tiger Gold model. Oh, it's a beautiful car. I took Jesse to Planters riding in it, and he screamed all the way. <laughs> it burned rubber in four gears, you know, man. It was, whoo, it's a hot car. And I heard the Lord say, surprise. Somebody says, nothing like that ever happens to me. Well, are you faithful? The faithful will abound with blessings. Are you a faithful sower? You will abound with blessings. Now listen to this. The Passion Translation for Proverbs 28, 20 says, Life's blessings drench the honest and the faithful person. That sounds like Ezekiel 34, 26. There shall be showers of blessings. Amen? Showers of blessings. How would you like to get up every day and you're showered with blessings? Hallelujah. Well, not too long ago, we had, we had uh, almost flood stage in Fort Worth. It's been several, uh, a couple of months ago now, but man, it rained and rained and rained. And, and one day, it, you know, it just rained and rained. And of course, we had all this time off and Carol and I are, are down at our, our home on the Brazos River. And I just decided to just get out in it. And I just walked out there and it was pouring down. I came in, came back in the garage and said, what in the world are you doing? I said, I'm just, I'm just seeing what showers of blessing feels like. Hallelujah. Amen. I was drenched. Well, God wants you to be drenched with his blessings. But notice, it's the faithful that qualify for that. Can you say Amen. God wants to cause supernatural increase to come into our lives, even in a pandemic. Even with all the negative things that are happening in our world today. Amen. If you remember, and I'll close it with this. If you remember in Genesis chapter 26, the Bible says, 
there was a famine in the land. And God spoke to Isaac and said, do not go to Egypt. You dwell in the land that I will tell thee of, or sojourn in the land that I will tell thee of. And when he got to the land that God told him of, there was a famine. And the Bible says in Genesis 26, 12, and Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. That's supernatural increase. Farmers don't sow in famines. That's like a waste of seed. Amen? Why would you sow a field when there's a famine? When there's a famine. That, how are you going to... How are you going to germinate the seed? How's it going to grow? But God told him, I will be with you and I will bless you. I will cause you to prosper regardless of where I tell you to go. Amen. And Isaac sowed in famine and reaped a hundredfold. One translation says the man got richer by the day. And it says, and the Philistines envied him. People, non-believers, stood around looking at the increase that came into his life and envied him, wondering how did this happen to him. Amen. That's what God wants happening to you, that we experience such supernatural increase that the non-believer, particularly in times like this, will eventually come to us and say, how are you doing this? Where are you getting all this? And we can say, it's the God I serve. Would you like to know him? Praise God. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good shout if you receive it. Amen. Hallelujah. What a great God we serve. Amen and amen. Praise God. So a famine in Isaac's day was like bad economy in our day. It's like a pandemic in our day. So can God bring supernatural increase in circumstances like that? Well, the Bible shows that he can. Amen. And if he's ever done it once, then he can do it again. Hallelujah. Lift your hands right now, if you will. Father, I pray that my message this morning has touched every heart. I pray that each and every one of them have received this word. I believe it is a prophetic word that you want the faithful to prosper regardless of the circumstances that are surrounding us right now. You want us to experience supernatural increase. And I believe the real purpose behind it is not just so we can be blessed, not just so that we can have what we need, but your word says that we, were, we are to be blessed and that we are to be a blessing that you will bring increase into our lives so that our needs are met, but then there's plenty left over so that we can help those who are in need. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. So I speak over every faithful person in this audience this morning, and I decree supernatural increase over their lives. And Father, I'm asking you to do this. According to the 16th chapter of Mark, the Bible says they went everywhere preaching the word. You worked with them and confirmed the word with signs following. I preached your word this morning. I declared unto them what you told me to tell them regarding 2020 
and the supernatural increase beyond anything we've ever experienced before. And now, I leave the rest of this into your capable hands that you will bring supernatural increase to them, confirming your word with signs following in Jesus' name. I speak supernatural increase over this congregation, over this church, over its pastors, over every family member. In Jesus' name, and somebody shout, I receive it. And give the Lord a good shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah.